Today we're going to be in the second chapter of Matthew, the first 12 verses. We're going to be reading that first in readiness for communion. So Matthew 2, 1 through 12, I will read. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overcome with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. For our Christmas senior lunch this year, our friend Carol Schlurf came and talked about the 12 days of Christmas. We enjoyed hearing about the song, and then we sang it with these beautiful pictures that she had made a long time ago. Now, the origin of the song isn't clear, which has led to different ideas of why it was written. The earliest known publication of it is found in a children's book in 1780. And the song that we know today was written by Frederick Austin, an English composer who set the melody and lyrics together in 1909. What people have enjoyed doing through the years, though, is estimating how much exactly these gifts would cost. Fondness has a high price, and with all the different types of birds and ladies dancing and lords of leaping and such, it's really high. So the cost in 2018, if you count each mention of the item separately, which would be 364 gifts in all, it would be $170,609,046. Not quite sure where they get that 46 cents, but in case you're wondering, it's the swans that cost the most, coming in at over $13,000 for all seven. Now, people usually have a love or hate relationship with this song, and maybe you're not really liking it that I brought up this song because now it's in your head. You're welcome. But let's think about the point of the song for a second. Because above anything else, this song portrays a shining example of devotion. A memorable way to to show one's commitment. 
You see, someone's true love cares for them so much that they gave 12 over-the-top, hard-to-find items to show how priceless their soulmate is. A generous and lavish way to show their adoration. Today, we celebrate Epiphany. It is the 12th day of Christmas. And besides the drummer's drumming, it is both a day, January 6th, and a season of the church calendar, which begins now and ends the first Sunday of Lent, which will be March 10th this year. Epiphany means revelation or manifestation. Jesus was revealed to the whole world as the newborn king. And this day, we celebrate the moment where the doors of God's kingdom were open wide forever. Now everyone is invited to know him. We celebrate this truth with the story of the Magi, foreigners who followed the star. Now we know very little about who the Magi were. They were possibly learned men or kings who had been watching the sky for a sign that meant something. Clearly, they were led by the Spirit of the Lord, knowing to go to Jerusalem. They they brought three gifts, but there could have been more than three of them. We read they come from the east, but how far east? Some people think as far as Babylon, which would have been 900 miles away. Some people think closer to the Arabian desert. They were among the first to experience the tension that Pastor Danielle talked about last week of living in the overlapping time of Jesus coming as God to live among us, but also having the reality of living in a world that has not yet been fulfilled. We see this contrast with Herod most of all. They come seeking the king as they understand that a new one will be born in among the Jewish people. But Herod represents those who oppose God, who will not believe in Jesus, who will seek to destroy him at all costs. His advisors know about the prophecies. In fact, notice that it is the Hebrew scriptures that provide the missing link for the Magi to know where to go. A child will be born in Bethlehem. Go there, they say. Those who earnestly seek God, believing he is real, will always find him. And those who understand that the Spirit is trying to lead us all the time will come to a place where we stop and pay homage to the Lord. And paying homage leads to transformation of our souls and causes us to travel to new places that we could never dream that we would ever see. The wise men bring their gifts to Jesus to show their reverence and awe. They come and they lay down their treasures as an act of humility. Perhaps they felt great emotion about God and the invitation that they received from him. It says that they were overwhelmed with joy. But it is not effusive words dripping with love that is memorable here. It is the fact that they are there. They leave what is familiar. They go to an unknown place to honor a king they don't know. They didn't even know where he was. But they knew they were supposed to go. And when they arrive, they cannot help but show their adoration for a God who would lead them to this amazing sight. This king that has been born for the whole world that they have been invited to see. We call adoration many things. Most of all, love. But to adore something is to give it the highest honor. To show complete devotion. It is to rearrange one's life and one's priorities and one's journey to seek the Lord. 
God reveals where to go, leading with many types of signs and wonders in our lives. There will be obstacles along the way, sometimes true evil, that will try to dissuade us or trick us. But when Jesus is found, there is great rejoicing. When we find Jesus, we celebrate with great praise and awe. You see, we are made to worship. God creates us to put him first in our lives. But how, how we know is that humans can give their worship too freely to other things. Golden calves and made-up gods can look about just about anything that we give worth to here. Idolatry is a condition that we all live with, and we all have to decide how are we going to deal with our own idolatry in our lives? Knowing that the basis of idolatry is pride, and where our prideful hearts go, so will the trajectory of our lives. It is only humility that bring us to Jesus. Today is the first Sunday of the new year. This is traditionally a time when we take stock of our lives, as Jim has reminded us, looking to see what it is that we have accomplished and in what ways we want to do better. But regardless of resolutions, this is a great Sunday to affirm again who we worship and what this looks like for us. To whom or to what do we give our complete adoration? Like the wise men, we come today and bow down with great respect and awe to the God who is born into the world he has made. We may bring gifts, but the gift that he most wants is a heart full of honor to the God who saves us. We might bring the best we have, but what he desires most is just us, saying that we love him, that we believe in him, that we will live our life for him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. On this day of Epiphany, let us be honest with the Lord about what it is that we adore and allow him to speak to us, to show us anything which may be coming before him. This week I found myself being confronted with this truth. I was asked to do something for another person, which I had agreed to. And then when the time came, it was more difficult than I wanted it to be. You know what I'm talking about. We get in the middle of something that we really don't want to do anymore, and we start to grumble and complain and wonder why we're really there and how long is this really going to take us. And my heart was resentful and weary, and pride was taking root. And the Lord said to me, Are you not preaching this week about adoring me? Yes, Lord. What I most want you to do right now, Colleen, is I want you to stop. And I want you to focus in on adoring me because your action for this person is about me and not about them. And what I care most about right now is your heart and not this thing that you're doing. Sometimes the lessons of the Lord are hard for us to swallow, but they're so good. So full of grace is our God. What stars has God put in front of you to lead you to him? Where does he want you to stop and kneel down and worship him? Maybe even in places that you didn't know you would go. Maybe there are places he wants to take you that you're not sure where it is and where to find him. You see, he guides us and then shows us plainly 
where he is so that we can see him, inviting us to understand that our journey is about the Savior. The point of the story is not the wise men. It's about the king they found in his greatness. When we think about being generous and lavish, we think about what Jesus did on the cross. Because he gave his life for us at great cost. But the truth is, is that nothing was too much for him to give because of how much he loves us. And in communion, we are paying homage and giving great thanks to the one who gave all so that we might have life. So this morning, let us bring our praise and honor as we come down for communion. And the act of coming forward to receive the intentional act May we recognize what he most wants is our hearts connected to him in worship. And so let us adore him in this act of remembrance that our Lord gave us. Hear now the invitation. You who truly and earnestly repent of your sins who live in love and peace with your neighbors and who intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort and humbly kneeling, make your honest confession to almighty God. Let us confess together. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all people, we confess that we have sinned and we are deeply grieved as we remember the wickedness of our past lives. We have sinned against you, your holiness and your love, and we deserve only your indignation and anger. We sincerely repent. And we are genuinely sorry for all wrongdoing and every failure to do the things we should. Our hearts are grieved, and we acknowledge that we are hopeless without your grace. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Give us strength to serve and please you in newness of life and to honor and praise your name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. O Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who with great mercy has promised forgiveness to all who turn to you with hearty repentance and true faith, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from our sins. Make us strong and faithful in all goodness. And bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, 
and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is always right and proper and our moral duty that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the inhabitants of heaven, we honor and adore your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Glory be to thee, O Lord most high. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. We do not come to this year table, O merciful Lord, with self-confidence and pride, trusting in our own righteousness. But we trust in your great and many mercies. We are not worthy to gather the crumbs from under your table. But you, O Lord, are unchanging in your mercy, and your nature is love. So grant us, therefore, God of mercy, God of grace, so to eat at this your table that we may receive in spirit and in truth the body of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and the merits of his shed blood, so that we may live and grow in his likeness, and being washed and cleansed through his most precious blood, we may evermore live in him and he in us. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who gave in love your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who by his sacrifice, offered once for all, did provide a full, perfect, and sufficient atonement for the sins of the whole world. We come now to your table in obedience to your Son, Jesus Christ, who in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. Hear us, O merciful Father, we humbly ask and grant that we, receiving this bread and this cup, as he commanded and in the memory of his passion and death, may partake of his most blessed body and blood. In the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In like manner, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Today, we invite you to come down the aisle and to uh, receive the elements. The Magi had an invitation from the Lord. We, too, have an invitation that we have been given. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church in order to come and to seek the Lord and to believe in him. 
and to believe in his redemption for your sin. And so I encourage you to take this time, this invitation that you have been given to the Lord's table, to expect that he will meet you, to expect like when all of us have an invitation to someone's house, that there will be a time of blessing and a time of conversation and a time of sharing struggles. This is a time for you to come and eat at the Lord's table and for you to be honest with him and love him and allow him to love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.